0: Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. If you go to a credit card website, are you going to the right page, which is in alignment with where you want it to be? And if you're looking for a new credit card, that becomes especially important because if you land up on the wrong page, you may not be motivated or interested enough to keep browsing at the website and getting to a point where you want to be. Women Who Code Talks Tech is a segment that features experts in a specific field of technology, sharing their knowledge on an in-depth and highly technical subject. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining. I'm Stephanie Rideout, Digital Community Specialist at Women Who Code. Our speaker for today's session about analytics is Raka Kushu. Raka is a Vice President Analytics with EXL Service a prominent analytics consulting company with presence across geographies and expertise in various industries and domains. She is a seasoned leader in banking and credit card analytics with experience in risk management, marketing analytics, digital analytics, capability development, and operational excellence. She is passionate about data and using its power to bring about value and transformation for EXL's clients. Over to you, Raka. Thank you so much for that great introduction, Stephanie. I'm super excited to be talking about analytics today. This is a topic that's particularly close to my heart as is evident in how much time I have already spent in the industry. So happy to share some of those tidbits with everyone who's gonna be watching the video. Um, So as Stephanie said, and as the title uh, slide calls out, the the talk I'm going to be giving out would be on analytics, what it is, what it means, what are some of the practical applications to orient everyone and give them a primer about what to expect as they think about this field and what all opportunities it has to offer. Before I move on, just a little bit of um, extension of what Stephanie said about me. So I'm Raka, I'm a vice president for EXL, been here for a very short tenure, but I specialize in bringing about analytical transformation and value for our various clients because EXL does believe in putting its best foot forward and bringing about data-led transformations and solutions for all of our clients. So let's, let's take a look at the entire lifecycle of analytics then. So what I'm going to be covering over the course of the next few minutes would be what analytics is all about, uh, why it's important to have analytical solutions and analytical investments for companies, how do we apply it in practice and why do we need to constantly keep innovating as we think about analytics as well as the industry as a whole. So jumping right into it, what is analytics? Now, very simplistically, the definition that Google and a lot of other sources will give you is that data analytics is simply a process of collecting, organizing, analyzing and transforming raw data into comprehensive information um, as well. And the, the objective of that transformation would be to increase the performance or efficiency of a business by bringing about insights, value, as well as uh, aligning uh, objectives to the business goals in the long run. What it integrates is information technology because you do need to have access to and availability to parse through various kinds of data um, to get to your business objective, A knowledge of statistics, because you end up applying a lot of sophisticated or simplistic techniques time and again, as well as business acumen, Um, to ensure that you're in a position to connect the dots and drive organizational goals forward. Now, in an ever-evolving analytics industry, not just being able to do all of this, but also the ability to communicate this information that has been parsed through raw data and derive insights from it also becomes important because without it, obviously, you will not know uh, which direction to move forward in. Uh, Now, analytics can be sort of high level um, categorized into four different areas, depending on what the objective of each of those areas is. The first one starting from the bottom left of the slide is descriptive analytics, which is literally about explaining what happened in the period being analyzed. For example, someone is looking at trends um, and they observe that the number of new credit card customers that were booked by a credit card company in a particular month or a quarter or a year is increasing or uh, how many there are just like ready to use metrics, easy visualization, uh, because you're simply pulling data, manipulating data and visualizing data um, or monitoring trends from it. So whatever allows you to describe the data in question would be called labeled as descriptive analytics. Now moving to it, you've looked at what the picture tells you. Now, why is the picture the way it is, is described by diagnostic analytics. And what it tells you is why something happened the way it did and allows you to find the root cause for troubleshooting or subsequent planning purposes. So for example, sticking with the credit card Um, acquisition example I was giving earlier. If you see that month over month, you're seeing uh, uh, the acquisition go up or down, then diagnostics will allow you to figure out why it went up or down. Is the acquisition mix changing? Did we change the marketing strategy to attract fewer or more? Or did any strategy change because of which we're ending up approving lesser card members? Now, the next step becomes predictive analytics, which is all about forecasting what might happen in the future, using a combination of statistical techniques, data mining, business assumptions, market conditions, as well as very importantly, historical trends as well, because you're going to be creating predictions for the future. An example of this would be for credit card companies, you've booked, let's say, 100 customers, but you want to know how many of them are subsequently not going to be able to pay their bills. Um, or, how many, or rather, uh, to put it simply, how many of them will eventually default. So predictive analytics or modeling will allow you to do exactly that. Last but not the least is prescriptive analytics. So you've already done descriptive, diagnostic, and predictive. Using all of this, uh, prescriptive analytics is all about recommending future courses of actions to be taken in case of certain situations arising, as well as the potential implications that would come with it. And what this really means is, let's say you're, going, you're forecasting through predictive analytics that uh, credit card sales are going to go down or the default rates for a credit card company are going to go up, what do you do with it? And if you're already forecasting that they're going to go up, what does that mean for the business? Because you're going to be booking more losses in the future. Um, Should you be taking preemptive measures to mitigate against that? Or what should be the optimal strategy be? Would be labeled as prescriptive. Uh, So that's kind of what data analytics is. Now, let's take a look at why it is so important in today's day and age. Now, companies are increasingly investing their presence in data analytics for a variety of reasons. It allows them to measure, monitor and plan strategic aspects of the business to maintain a better handle. Um, And it has many other benefits apart from the ones that are listed here, but the ones listed here seem to be the most prominent. So taking a look at them one by one, the first benefit in my mind is that you can obtain deeper insights. Um, through having access to and understanding the key metrics that are associated with the business, the trends as well as drivers associated with all of them and have a mechanism to link and label them to the business objectives as well, thereby being able to transform as well as foresee what's going to happen. The second benefit that also uh, is a result of having those deeper insights being accessible is the ability to make faster decisions or decision-making agility. Now, having that understanding of the key drivers, as well as a handle on the prescriptive analytics that the businesses carry out, allows them to be very nimble in decision-making because they have all of the supporting facts handy um, and at their disposal. Uh, The third one is streamlined operations, because it allows businesses and companies to manage their logistics and operations effectively by identifying, planning, and resolving for bottlenecks, as well as making sure that they know what kind of costs they're going to incur, which leads me to the fourth benefit, which is about reduced costs. You can also, um, so one thing I mentioned was around prioritization, identifying and planning and resolving bottlenecks. What this also means that you're able to identify redundancies and plan to take those out eventually, thereby reducing some overheads in operational expenses. The other piece associated with it is cost-benefit analysis of things that maybe businesses are procuring or uh, or they've been using or using third parties for. Um, that also allows for effective prioritization, you define profitable ROI thresholds um, and margins for operation that allow you to make more money in the long run because you know what level of return on your investment you would want. And last but not the least, which is one of the more important things in my mind and allows us to solve for a lot of customer friction also is issue management. What this means is businesses can identify, resolve and document anomalies and issues and have appropriate handling procedures for them. So this allows them to be better at operational excellence, proactively identify and resolve any customer facing gap system issues that they may come across Um, and bridge them before it results in a full blown issue or causes any regulatory harm. Uh, I know that these are just the five high level benefits in my mind, there are a lot more, but all of them can in some shape or form be tagged to one of these categories that have been listed. Moving on, uh, next up, I wanted to share with you what analytics looks like in practice. And these are just a few simple examples that came to my mind. Uh, before I go here, uh, many of us will also be using analytics in our day-to-day lives. For example, one thing that I typically tend to do is whenever I'm walking towards, uh, towards the train station to get to work, I always like to plan out. Uh, I always like to calculate how much time it took me door to door, thereby, sort of building up a history or a trend line in my mind, that would also be a form of descriptive analytics because it's telling me exactly every single day, how much time is it taking me, broken out by the time of the day that I'm traveling and allows me to plan a little better um, as, I, as I think about commuting to and from work. So a lot of us do that. Uh, weather, uh, another example is weather forecasting. Um, Obviously, there are a lot of other factors involved, but statistics does help there too. So in in reality, let's take a look at the examples I have as well. So starting from the top left and moving uh, to the bottom and then starting off with the right. First up, banks have been known to use credit history as well as spend data for customers to determine who qualifies for for a loan, uh, be it secured or unsecured, and what are the terms of the loan, the amount of the loan uh, that they should be given. We've also seen retailers use a lot of customer data and segmentation to improve retention and loyalty. A lot of uh, companies like Walmart have been known to do that. Um, they would pick up where uh, how customers spend, what they spend on, identify uh, what they would like for customers to be uh, getting as well, carve out some kind of loyalty tiers as well as offer products, as well as benefits accordingly to keep the customers glued and hooked. Uh, Next up, credit card companies also use spend data and demographics of customers to detect fraud. And in an industry where fraud is pervasive and fraudsters are increasingly becoming smarter and smarter and using more and more sophisticated tools and techniques to avoid detection, this also becomes very, very important um, for banks and credit card companies to stay on top of. So where customers are spending, how they're spending, how much they're spending, as well as how far away they are from their geography, uh, from where where they particularly live, um, are important factors in determining whether or not um, there is a fraudulent transaction happening on their account and allows companies not just to safeguard themselves, but also the interest of the customer, which becomes a very important factor in customer loyalty and retention. Another example that I have here is insurance companies, which use claims and actuarial sciences to determine the risk involved with insuring a potential customer. Uh, Another real-life example which we all became very familiar with during the pandemic would be healthcare, where professionals, statisticians, um, used analytics and predictive modeling to optimize patient care, as well as distribute resources during COVID-19. We were also seeing a lot of trend lines in the news, or, or rather forecasts would be the correct word, in the news, not just describing what uh, the actual COVID rates look like, numbers look like, but also if certain situations find out what the peak or what the, what the going forward outlook would also look like. Uh, next example is around market research, which allows businesses to figure out what the demand for new products would be, um, and depending on that demand, as well as focus groups that allow them to identify customers, what their interests would be, uh, determine features, as well as pricing points for making that product launch successful and for making that product more sustainable and profitable as it goes out to the market. Uh, next example, a lot of us would be familiar with. So we all go to Amazon, shop there. We all watch Netflix, Hulu, Disney, et cetera. All of them use recommender engines to uh, sh- to figure out what customers watch. What else is similar to that and showcase recommendations based on viewing history or genre um, of viewing to show those recommendations to customers um, around what they should be watching next or what um, Amazon or Netflix things they should be watching or buying next after they've completed um, a viewing or a purchase recently. And last but not the least, a lot of companies in an increasingly digital age use website browsing and conversion funnel data to improve web experience. For example, if you go to a credit card website, are you going to the right page, which is in Alignment with where you want it to be. And if you're looking for a new credit card, that becomes especially important because if you land up on the wrong page, you may not be motivated or interested enough to keep browsing at the website and getting to a point where you want to be. Um, So landing you to the right place becomes extremely important. And um, that allows them to then move forward in the application process and get a new credit card should they be approvable eventually. So those are, those are just a few examples. Obviously, analytics is more rampant than you think it is. Anytime you're collecting any kind of data um, in your mind, in your daily life, think of it as applying some form of analytics, be it uh, very simplistic or advanced um, in, 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 in practice uh moving on what i wanted to share with everyone was a case study around the credit card life cycle for uh, everyone now i know that this is a little complicated but it summarizes the various areas that i have dealt with obviously there's many more uh but i wanted to share with you something that i have actually had practical experience in um so starting off the middle uh icon represents a credit card issuer, which means any bank that's that's giving out credit cards to potential customers. Now, the way that they start off is by targeting, which is represented on the top right. Uh, targeting essentially means whom do you want to give a credit card to? What product do you want to give to them? How do you want to target them? And all of this is based on how credit worthy a customer or a potential customer is, what kind of product they they uh, might be inclined to use, what their responsiveness would be, for example, would they be more responsive to a premium product, a rewards product, or a mass market product, um, or maybe something that comes with a choice of category, as well as what channel would they prefer, would they be more inclined towards responding to a direct mail, which is literally them sending you paper offers to respond to, um, digitally, of course. Uh, respond to digitally, uh, but the offer itself would be sent out uh, in a paper or mail, or would would you want to just send them an email asking them to apply if you've got their email information. Uh, The next step, once someone has been targeted and they decide to apply for a credit card, becomes underwriting, which is all about ascertaining whether we approve that application or not. Now, what this uses is something which is simply labeled as expected profitability over the lifetime of the relationship, meaning that if we acquire that, uh, that potential customer today, then would they be giving me a certain revenue over time? And is that enough for me to break even or achieve the, uh, the return on investment um, that I was expecting for a certain period of time? So it's all about approvability based on creditworthiness. Um, that that goes into defining this. The next step in the journey is limit assignment and pricing. A lot of people will be familiar with this. Most of us have credit cards and all of those credit cards come with a certain line or credit limit associated with them. Uh, Again, that's determined by creditworthiness um, and uh, the algorithm that goes into it, it, Uses that credit worthiness and a lot of other factors to figure out what the terms offered should be. Terms meaning that credit limit itself, as well as what APR should be priced people at. Um, an example of why this matters is if the li- credit limit is too low, then would high would the would the customers spend high dollar amounts, or would they be restricted by the limit that you've assigned to them, thereby leading to spend suppression? Would be an important question. Or on the other hand, if um, the limit is too high and a lot of that goes unutilized, then uh, the the differential, would that be unused contingent liability that no one is going to be able to use or they could use at a later date or um, fraudsters if they get their hands on it, uh, would be able to take advantage of. So there are a lot of factors that go into it. Another example would be APR. If it is too low, then obviously you might uh, incite a lot of people to revolve, but those people have to be of a good uh, credit quality. And if the APR is too high, then that may be a deterrent for people to um, revolve, thereby leading to finance charge revenue suppression as well. Uh, As we move through this, the next step in my mind is contact strategy which um, essentially talks about when we should be contacting customers, how we should be contacting them and what kind of information should we be contacting them with. There are certain um, examples uh, of, of contacts that have to be made with customers, examples being that they have to have uh, monthly statements if they have been using their card um, often within within a particular billing cycle. And what should that statement contain, some of which is defined um, by regulation and some of that the banks would want to put out there um, as good to know or need to know or for customer transparency. Uh, but also other examples include fraudulent activity or fraud-related alerts um, uh, just for the customer's account management. Other examples would be you've made a payment. Uh, Then should we be notifying everyone about the payment made, uh, whether it was successful, whether it returned, um, and credit score notifications as well. And some of those communications um, could also be optional. For example, I can choose to get alerts around spend activity on my card only after my spend or or balance reaches a certain level. And as we think about contact strategy, this leads to the next bucket, which is about how do we effectively manage the customers throughout the relationship uh, after we have acquired them and given, given them the initial terms and conditions. This also includes monitoring the health of the portfolio so that you're able to derive Um, segments uh, and action them accordingly. Examples being that um, if customers are high value, meaning that they're low risk and spending really high, um, then should you be focusing on positive treatments for them, meaning credit limit increases or giving them promotional offers to incite more spend or revenue and increasing customer loyalty as well. Or, if someone is risky and their credit profile is deteriorating, then what kind of mitigating actions could be taken on them to make sure um, that the prospect of losses for the bank is, um, is, is reduced. And last but not the least, as I stated before, also is operational risk management, which is all about making sure that there are both proactive as well as reactive controls to detect anomalies and system breakdowns so that this allows companies to flag issues which may affect customers or incite any regulatory breaches. And all of these controls would allow for proactive mitigation, resolution, and bridging of all of those system issues or errors that led to either customer harm or, in general, tarnishing the brand image of the company itself. So these are this is like just one simplistic life cycle that I wanted to bring about. There is analytics involved in all of these areas. A lot of them that fundamentally is the same in the sense that you um, have to extract, manipulate data and parse insights from it, do a lot of predictive and prescriptive analytics to figure out the direction for the business. But in terms of concept, as well as lending and credit card economics, a lot of these areas do deal with um, different things and are interesting in their own right. Uh, Last but not the least, I wanted to share with you why we need to constantly stay on top of things and need to innovate even within the analytics industry, which in itself deals with a lot of changing profiles of customers, Um, and, uh, by definition, does evolve a little over time anyway. So, like I said, companies do need to remain nimble regardless of the industry. Innovation and transformation have become buzzwords these days. And why they're important is because companies need to be robust and adjust to disruption and always have certain business continuity plans in place. One very big example of that obviously was the pandemic hitting, which disrupted a lot of things across industries. And given the uncertainty associated with the pandemic, no, I I, I can't say with certainty that anyone was prepared. So a lot of plans needed to be taken, but it taught us the resilience of our businesses, as well as the fact that when everyone gets together, even in spite of uh, the the face-to-face meetings, it was all possible because of the dedication towards serving our customers to doing the right things um, and to collaborate with one another. Innovation also allows us to drive more value for customers and stakeholders. And a lot of things would not have been possible if uh, we did not want to bring those about. Example of those would be a lot of customizable product features like, Previously, we just had like a blanket term, credit card, which was the traditional credit card product, but over time, a lot of things have been added to it, dining benefits, restaurant benefits, gas uh, benefits, as well as choosing the category which you wanted to earn rewards on. All of those are a result of innovation that has come with time. Another example would be buy now pay later, which may not not have existed maybe a decade ago um, in the shape and form it is today, but it does add a lot of value and solves for a short term revolve need uh, for a lot of customers in today's world. Uh, The next one would be about institutionalizing trust and achieving better product adoption by catering to relevant areas. This is more about this and the other bucket around proactively addressing customer needs is about understanding what the customers want. Uh, where they want us to focus um, and how do we move forward from there. Examples of those would be digital payments, faster payments. You want to send money uh, quickly. Um, uh, We want to did bank uh, uh, sort of be in the banking industry digitally without having to go to a brick and mortar institution. Um, Innovation and transformation that that exists now has allowed us to cater to all of that. And of course, the industry is changing. There's a lot of fast-paced innovation. So this is by no means the end and there's definitely more coming. So it's a very good industry to be in. A lot of potential, a lot of number crunching um, and opportunity for thought leadership is what I want to leave it at. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash Women Who Code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment